Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks for downloading this week's Talk Politics on Talk Radio podcast. This week, I'm joined by Jonathan Liss and Calvia Ranger. Uh, Jonathan Liss uh, talks of a blindfold Brexit. Calvia Ranger talks of a Brexit bounce. Which one is it going to be? Uh, Jack Drawmy uh, says you can't blame Starmer, Keir Starmer, that is, for the Brexit stance taken up by Labour. And Jonathan Liss wants to ban the term Ramona. Is that even possible? I'm very delighted to say that Jonathan Porter's Professor of Economics at King's College London joins me and we talk about trade deals. All that to come on Twitter and social media saying, see, um, where are the queues and the ports? Planes are still flying. Uh, There's no uh, lorries stuck in motorways. Um, Jonathan, they conveniently forget that nothing has actually changed. We are in a transition period. Why are they putting out these messages, in your view? Either they're morons or they're liars, probably both, in many cases. Um, so uh, we need... I need to get a direct answer. So look, people, as we know, the transition period, this is actually quite funny, isn't it? Because the transition period was was um, argued for tooth and nail by Remainers. Mm. Uh, David Davis, uh, in his cockiness, at one point said, well, we'll do the EU a favour by maybe we'll allow them, um, you know, if we're being kind... We'll let them have an implementation period. We would not be ready to move on to the future uh, relationship right now. The, you know, as David Allen Green said on Twitter, the transition period saved the Brexiters from themselves. They didn't want it. Now they're now they're incredibly glad they have it. The one the other thing to say about the transition period is it was um, meant to be following Brexit on March 29th. Mm. The UK UK government actually wanted a longer one. They wanted two years, and the EU. Um, were the ones that said, no, it should end on the 31st of December 2020 so we can get the, the new um, budget period yeah. started the next day. But the EU's always said it's much more important to get this thing done right. So already, so there was like a 21 months, which was woefully inadequate by most people's estimations. And now because Brexit was delayed, it hasn't it hasn't sort of adjusted accordingly. So we have no time. Yeah. There's no one serious I mean, who thinks there's any time to negotiate this. Rather than, than get stuck on... on, on on how we ended up with such a short transition period, how I've understood, and perhaps I've misunderstood, so both of you can can keep me in check here, but I thought the transition period was to allow it enough time to go from the status quo of 47 years to your destination, which you've already agreed, to to basically shift... From, like, okay, we know what checks and what uh, everything that's going to change. We now have two years or a year and a half to actually shift from one to the other because it can't all happen overnight. And now what seems to have happened is we've entered a transition period 
without knowing the destination that we're going to, nowhere. to. This is the most important thing. Brexit, we are through the looking glass here. Everything is just based on, it's, it's just one lie after the next. The whole point of the transition period was Theresa May and Boris Johnson, when he was Foreign Secretary, they used to call it the implementation period. But it was an right, implementation period with nothing to implement. Yeah. This is like the, the, the way that language is used to manipulate people. The way that Theresa May always said, we will have our deal ready to go on Brexit Day, we'll know what it looks like, we'll need a little bit of time to implement it. That was the whole point. But of course, it's a blindfold Brexit, it's a bridge to nowhere, because we have left this thing, we have no way of going back now, we've shut the door on it, and we have, we have absolutely no idea where we're going. Two political parties did not really provide a large number of people, as you're saying, with a viable position to have their view. Now, I think those parties really need to look at themselves and say, how can we do what Jonathan is asking? Hold the government's feet to the fire as we go through the process um, but in a way that's supportive and responsible but, as an opposition and do you provide not a voice the to these people. And I think, sorry, I'll just finish there. I think this is where we're going to come to the Labour Party yeah. uh, leadership contest. This is the fundamental essence of where the Labour Party should really be thinking about how it wants to represent the right argument that says we are leaving the EU, but let's make sure that the government is okay, held to well, account. We're going to get to that in a second. But interestingly, though, I asked you, how do you bring the country together? And in a sense, you basically said, well, that's that's the opposition's uh, job. How does the prime minister, uh, so how well, does Boris Johnson okay. bring... Uh, the people sure. uh, together because these things that we discussed earlier you know no alignment um no customs union no single market it seems that he 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 is heading for a, a particularly hard looking brexit and right. and that's not really going to bring people to his side so i think the the question i was asking yeah. answering was about okay how will those people who don't feel they had a voice feel that they have a voice in it which is why yes. it's right but in terms and a of a fine what, answer yeah. you gave to that too, but, in, and, but in terms of how the prime minister will do that i think and i mentioned this earlier is that every step along the way he and the government will demonstrate and should demonstrate to the public the benefit of each agreement, the benefit of the decisions that they're making, that they will, that people will receive, because mm. that's why we're doing this. We have been told, and we do believe, and a number of people do believe, and I do believe, that at the end of the day, there will be a marked benefit for this country if we get this negotiation right. If three hundred and fifty million a week for the NHS, will we get that? There's even more money Come than Jan that going. January there's even 1st, more money than that going into into the NHS, as has been described by you know the health secretary and the prime minister many times about mm. how much is going into not, the NHS. Not in real terms. There's money going in. There's, there's money going in, in, but there's not and, 350 million a week in real terms. Let's let's be let, clear about let, that. Let's let's be honest. The question here will be about the benefits that people will receive and this country mm -hmm. going forward, which after stagnation, economic hold, so businesses not growing because of political wrangling, okay. because we haven't moved forward. Even if we just take that away, before we get to the point that Brexit will now add to it. You can see the investment increasing. You can see actually property values changing. We can see there has been a post-Brexit bounce to the UK economy. And I think this is going to continue. And that is where people see benefit. What we actually comes down to is money in people's pockets, better public services and quality of life. That's what people want to see, whether it's from Brexit, whether it's from the government. Boris Johnson and the government have to now demonstrate that that is what's going to happen with each decision that they will make as they go along.
we've had a tweet just as you've been on air now uh, from uh, Mark, and he says uh, Starmer is the architect of uh, Labour's Brexit policy, policy which provided uh, such a catastrophic um, general election. I can't see Labour moving forward with Starmer in charge. Do you think that that's the biggest issue that Keir Starmer has to face in this Labour leadership election? It would be absolutely wrong to blame Keir alone for the catastrophe that was Brexit. Absolutely wrong. Well, he was but shadow after, Brexit secretary, though. Yeah, but after all, it was the party conference last year who embarked down a path in, in terms of a second referendum, mm -hmm. um, which, to say the least, uh, did not prove to be popular in the country. Um, and I know there are those uh, critics, uh, and some of them, to be frank, <laughs> ill-intentioned critics, who seek to blame Keir uh, for the catastrophe over Brexit. Uh, and I think it was a catastrophe. There's no question of that, and I don't hide from that. Uh, but that's not a view I share for one moment. A question from Jonathan Liss. Hi, Jack. Um, how Hi, important Jonathan. do you think Brexit will be um, for the leader? Um, do you think it'll be possible for Labour to win an election on other issues, or do you think the Brexit will continue to dominate for the foreseeable future? Uh, I think, realistically, Jonathan, those who think that it's all done, they, they live in a dream world. I think the issue of Brexit will continue to hang over our country and our politics for some considerable period of time, on a very basic level. Um, yes, we left yesterday, uh, on Friday, uh, but uh, the transitional period goes on till the end of this year. Uh, so... I think inevitably Brexit will continue to be absolutely central. I just don't think it will be Brexit alone. Uh, I think crucially going forward, um, it's what kind of country do we become um, at the next stages? And again, I grit my teeth when I say this, Jonathan, uh, but I think the Tories have been quite smart mm. about how they have conducted themselves thus far uh, in government, seeking to empathise. I've never heard so many Tories uh, say, talk, use the language so often of the working class. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but uh, it, it is about what kind of country we become. And on the one hand, uh, can Boris Johnson deliver? And I have to say, uh, for a whole number of reasons, I think there are grave reservations about his capacity to do that. But on the other hand, we can't uh, simply rely uh, upon a negative, i.e. he progressively failed to deliver, particularly the promises he made to uh, those left behind and the, uh, the Red Wall uh, constituencies, we can't just rely upon him failing to deliver. It's about who we are, Labour's positive offer, once again a party of government. And we did it before. We rebuilt from the ashes back in 1983. I remember it being said that a Labour government would never be formed again. Uh, and then we won in 1997 uh, with a 179 majority. We can do it. Uh, who was it who said, yes, we can? We can do it, but we've got a formidable mountain to climb at the next stages. Aidan on Twitter says, all the Ramonas to accept we have left, accept it and move on to make Britain great again. Can we ban that word, please? Ramonas. The Ramona word. It is... It was... Are you going to drown funny. in your it Ramona was, tears It was funny now. for maybe 30 seconds in 2017. Someone has actually photoshopped a, a Kleenex hanky packet, said extra large for Ramonas, sent us this that's, picture. That's very, that's very clever. Um, like, I, look, I mean, look, if you want to laugh, I haven't actually, I haven't actually cried. I, I was... Um, <laughs> I, I was in, on Friday, my main feeling was disbelief, actually. More yeah. than sadness and regret. It was disbelief that 
we could actually be doing something so nakedly self-destructive because I think that in my heart, I never really believed, although obviously, you know, mm. realistic, rationally, I thought this is going to happen. The likelihood is always that Brexit will happen. Even if we had a referendum, I think there would have been a very good chance that Leave would have won again. Um, but I think in my heart, I never quite believed that we'd be doing something yeah. so foolish, such a catastrophic when, mistake. And then that was that was the main thing. And then on Saturday, yesterday, I did actually feel sad walking through thinking all the things we've lost willfully, pointlessly, no no reason whatsoever without mythologizing or lying from the government. And with, there's no going back. At least in at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, uh, Matthew on Twitter says, "As a as a Remainer, uh, I just want it to be done right. If it gets done wrong, I shudder to think of what could happen." Um, and then he, here's here's one that sort of made me think. Said, uh, Archie on Twitter says, "I worry Remainers whose inflated ego will not allow themselves to accept they have lost will now turn on their own country. They will do anything to damage the economy, jobs, and promote the breakup of the UK for the sake of their ego purely so they could say." I told you so. I mean, it's so pathetic, this argument, that that someone stands sitting in a radio studio or writing a column for a magazine is going to have more power over our economy than the actual government. Look, if the economy goes over the wall, it's not going to be because of a Guardian op-ed, I can assure you. It's going to be, be because the government cares more about uh, identity, the imagination, about you know, this 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 curious concept of sovereignty, which doesn't actually mean very much, over the actual lived experience of people, over people's real livelihoods, over their jobs. That will be why the economy goes over the wall, not because we want it to. That's simply not. No one wants the economy to go over the wall, by the way. we were I was fighting for the single market in 2016. We went to court to try and force the government to uh, to have a vote over <clears throat> the European economic area, for example. That was all to play for. The government had all the chance in the world to compromise. They failed to do so. And now, just as Remainers, um, you know, I'll be the first to accept if, uh, if the economy does really well, for example, if prosperity rises. It's now time for Brexiters not to blame the EU, not to blame Remainers, not to blame migrants, but to actually take responsibility for their own actions, for their own decisions, and to own it if it all goes pear-shaped. The government's own analysis um, shows that uh, that even a comprehensive deal with the US, China, India and a bunch of other countries wouldn't make up more than, on a more a most optimistic reading, maybe a fifth to the tenth mm. of what we'd lose from, uh, from moving to a, a much looser relationship with the EU. So I think arithmetically it doesn't add up. I think, though, perhaps the, the other more important point is, well, what are these deals that we're going to get with the US, etc.? I mean... We probably can make a trade deal with the US, but just like our trade deal with the UK, the with the EU, EU it's going to reflect this asymmetry in negotiating power. That the they're bigger, they are much much bigger, um, and they are going to write most of the terms of that agreement. So if we decide to rule out things that they care about, like pharmaceutical prices okay. for the NHS or agricultural uh, standards out of the agreement, then at the most it's going to be a limited agreement. And I think. There's a really important, more important sort of geopolitical point here, which is that um, the vision of the, the, and again, this is very much consistent with what a lot of people on the Brexit side have been saying, you know, that, that we, should, we should have independent sovereignty. We should be able to make our own regulations. We're not going to be dictated to by the Europeans. We're not going to be dictated by the US either on things like food safety mm -hmm. or whatever. We'll make our own way and we'll make trade deals on that basis. Well, 
the answer is you can, may be able to make some trade deals on this basis, but they are going to be pretty limited. They're not going to do much for you economically. And is that really a realistic strategy in a world where you have essentially at the moment three very large economic regulatory blocks? Which is the, the US, China and the EU. Yeah. L- let me we ask want you- to be outside of all of those three. You know, but, we have to accept we're going to get squashed. But, but let, let me let me put to you, I, I know my producer's forcing me yeah. to, to, to have a break, but so, before we move on, I, I, I want to ask this, because I had a, a Conservative MP for St Austell and Newquay, Steve Double, was on mm. earlier, and I put this very question to him and said, how are we going to get a good enough deal when we're smaller? We're smaller mm. than China. We're smaller mm. than the EU. We're smaller than the US. And his answer to me was, we're the fifth, sixth largest economy in the world. We have got things that people want. We're a powerhouse. We are X, Y, and Z. I, I, he was basically saying, look, size doesn't matter. It's what we can contribute. It's the fact that other countries want to do business with us. They want access to the UK. What about that point? It's true. I mean, we're not going to stop trading with yeah. both with the EU and the rest of the world. Um, that's absolutely right. Countries will still want access here. It's just a question of how much damage do we do if we have significant increases in trade barriers with some countries. Um Take the British car market. The British car market is an important market. Countries, other, you know, auto manufacturers will still want to sell cars to Brits. Mm-hmm. But I think we all know that if it hadn't been for the single market, you would not have the Nissan plant in Sunderland and other car plants. Now, those, that's not going to go away overnight. But over time, does the UK become a significantly less attractive uh, place to locate, to do business, to produce things than it would be if we remained in the single market. It's very hard to find a credible economist who, who doesn't think that will be the impact. But how do you win those people back? How do you win those people who feel like they've won something that they can't quite describe what it is without using such huge generalizations? But how do you get those people back on side? Well, in, in my opinion, I want to ask you the same question. Uh, it was kind of a different nature, but in my opinion, it, education is power, and educating mm-hmm. people, keeping them informed. But a lot of people don't, don't want to be educated. They don't want, they don't want to live simplistic life. They don't want to listen to Professor Jonathan or someone, or someone else who, who would actually give them facts, who will inform them, and they can make informed decisions. But do they you blame be... people? You know, people have got enough worries now to put enough food on the table to look after their families. I mean, look, I wouldn't wish it on anyone to have to know what a tariff is and what a quota is. It's, it's really dull. Well, absolutely, I agree. And I don't blame them. I, I blame, actually, people in the media, not like yourself, but the others, you know, those who actually take a line of not holding, not telling the truth to the power, not holding them to account, not actually doing what, what public demands them to do. This is what their job is, uh, to actually to, to, to act, to ask the questions on our behalf and then explain to people. That's, that's what, what I think, in my opinion, the media is supposed to be doing. But... The question I have to you, uh, uh, Alexis, is, is this, because I, I'm really struggling myself. I can't get over this fact of, you know, of us doing self-harm and everything else. And a lot of people on the radio and media asking, asking us to kind of get together, get the country back together, stand behind the government and move on and make the most of Brexit. I, I, I can't bring myself to stand behind liars and con men. I just, in my opinion, if I come across a liar and a con men in real life and he just says to me, look, just forget about, I, you know, I took advantage of you. I, I, I kind of lied to you, and we just have to move on. At least what I expect him to say, sorry, apologize, and say, look, I've done you wrong, and this shouldn't have happened, and this is what I promised you, this is not going to happen. Let's just move on, because we are where we are. We have to look to the future. This is at least what I would expect, and I, and I can't just bring myself to to just move on and well, get together. And, well, and, look, and it, I just don't know what, what, what not, I have to do. 
You're not going to get an apology, uh, and that that will never happen. But I think that accepting the referendum result now, uh, moving on, as Jonathan List was saying earlier as a guest, and I think as most sensible people will say, look, we move on. We hope that uh, Brexit is not going to be as damaging as we think it's going to be. And of course, we, we don't want it to be so. I don't buy into these. Uh, I have plenty of messages here of all Ramonas are going to wish the country fails just so they can say, I told you so. That's a ridiculous concept. No one's... I don't believe that people are stupid enough to wish self-harm in order to prove a point. Now, again, I know that this is a, a, opening a different can of worms, but I think what you and I and others can do is just keep holding the government to account. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Remember, you can catch the show live on Talk Radio between 10am and 1pm every Sunday. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.